1: Or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction.
0: And now, we go into the thick of it.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Arina Addison's.
1: On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. Mm -hmm. And we plan to take your calls in the last segment of the show. So please stick around for that. Um, Yesterday, Will the Great, Mm -hmm. you and I were talking about uh, Joe Biden, um, what's going to happen day one when he's installed as president, and then what will happen um, the first 100 days, at least, as it pertained to uh, human sexuality and sexual identity. I'm going to jog back to that to kind of lay the groundwork for our discussion today. Um, But before we do that, I want to... You know, I always kind of like to try to give us a roadmap for where we're going. Yesterday, we were talking about the sun rising on our choices where mm. um, many of us will begin to see very clearly um, what we have done in this country. Yeah. Um, not just as far as pulling levers go, you know, like right. not just as far as that is concerned, but also I would say maybe in some instances as we have not held the line um, and not properly trained our children. Right. Um, And when I say children, we mustn't think, you know, the four and five year olds running around today. I'm talking about those who are are in office already, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're somebody's children, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're they're somebody's kids who adopted at some point um, a worldview and now live according to that worldview. Right. Right. And so there was a ship that sailed and um, some information didn't make it a board. Okay. Mm. And so we have to think in terms of that because if we think that way, then it will change the way we do mm-hmm. train up the four and five year olds that we have today.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. If we look at people who are in positions of power today and we say at one point, <laughs> obviously they were three, right. four, right. five, right. And someone had the opportunity to write on their chalkboard. Okay um some information that could change the way they live today yep. and that didn't happen yep right then it makes us a little bit more responsible with what we do um, for the 3 4 and 5 year olds today mm-hmm. and so yesterday we were talking about sunrising on our choices today we're talking about sunrising Um cultural absolutists come forth. (laughs) Mm, Okay. Cultural Um,
2: absolutists come forth. Yeah. Let's
1: yeah, let's talk about that. So so Mika, what do you mean? Okay, so here's here's my observation. Okay. Okay. Um when I was growing um in my uh teens and early twenties. We were taught about the faith, and then as we began to be equipped to give a defense for the faith, we were taught about um, moral relativism. You remember that, Mm -hmm. where um, a person would say, that's good for you, but it's not good for me. Right. Right? And you could at least kind of make it into the public square with your thoughts, Um, with your convictions now they might be batted about you know they might be knocked down Mm -hmm. but you could at least make it into the public square with those convictions where you could say well you know I think this or I feel this way or or even if you took like sort of the um, you know gentle you know cowardly lion approach (laughs) you know your king of the forest song you you would you could say something like well For me personally, Mm -hmm. um, I have come to believe, you know, it's sort of the Joel Osteen response to things. You know what I mean? It's like, um, truly, I mean, he has literally said, you know, for me, I just believe that, you know. And so I call this, you know hiding behind the word rather than standing on it on. um still both powerful you know because the word is powerful right yeah um so even when you don't feel like you can just like you know with broad shoulders stand on the word and say this is what it says i agree with that mm-hmm. um you can hide behind it you can hold it up like oh it's just a word i've got don't please you know just <laughs> you get the, the picture of the you know anyways so we we used to have that time <laughs> And uh, you yeah. and I were both trained to engage in that way right. um, as missionaries, right. as, as campus evangelists. We were trained to meet people and their possible objections to the faith. And the big one at the time that we were being trained and actively out on America's colleges and universities, the big one was just relativism. Like, okay, yeah, that's good for you, um, but not for me. Well, I really believe, and, and this is how we've been training our kids at our local fellowship here. That we have blown past that. So by hmm. the way, let me just say, if you are still teaching kids that um, as a part of your robust apologetic, if you're s- still teaching them um, relativism, you, you, you know, the early 2000s <laughs> wants their apologetics back because we're, we're well past that. Like we're no, that's not, we don't even psh, erase it, erase <laughs> it. Use those books as past reference books to see what we once were. Right. And, and that was so daunting. You remember, even at that point, it was so daunting because people had this sliding scale for truth and all of this. And you're like, how do I even deal with this? I don't even know. It's crazy. Write more books. Write more books. Hold more <laughs> conferences. Hold more conferences. We don't know. We don't know. And it was so overwhelming. But now you look at where we are and we're like, oh, if we could just go back to that time. Man. Man. Right? Because we are in a time now where it's no longer um, where we are talking about moral relativism. We are talking about what I consider a type of cultural absolutism. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, you hear about absolutism when you talk about forms of government and things like that. Just, you know, soul power existing um, in one person, just one person rule, you know, um, absolute authority, supreme authority. But I believe that our culture um, has, without a doubt, demonstrated that that is the time that we are in, that it is a type of cultural absolutism. It's not that's good for you, um, but not for me. Mm -hmm. The time that we are in now, listen to me, people who love Jesus. The time that we are in now is that, oh, yeah, no, that's not good for me. And it's not good for you.
2: Yeah, You shouldn't do it either. You shouldn't believe that that either. either.
1: And furthermore, furthermore, be be quiet about it. Right. Silence. You don't deserve to live away with you. Away with you. Now, if you thought it was hard, early 2000s. You know what I'm saying? Mid 2000s. You thought it was hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're going to you raising your hand and you're asking the Frank Tureks of the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, OK, uh, uh, a Frank, I have a question, <laughs> you know, and you thought that was really hard because you're like, well, how do we meet those objections? How do we validate right. their concerns and all right. of these things? But now let's try this. Try not even being welcomed. Seriously, not even being welcomed into the conversation, not even being welcomed into the public square. In fact, try, try coming face to face with today's cultural absolutist (laughs) who says you are a horrible person for what you believe. Mm. This is the context that our kids are growing up in. Right. So how do we respond to that? What we have to do now, what we have, and we should have always done (laughs) right. What we have to do now is make sure that we train our kids with the type of boldness that allows them to enter the arena with the cultural absolutist. Mm. The one who says Man. you don't deserve to live. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's no longer just okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, you have your ideas and I have, and mine, I have mine and right.
2: we you know, it's you're, together. No, they can, no,
1: no more of that. You're, you're not, it's, there's no more of the, um, let's be cute and make nice with each other. You mm-hmm. know? So the good Christian, the good Christian the acceptable Christian, let me tell you, in the time that we're living in now, you won't find in the Bible. Mm. Okay? So, by the world standard, the good Christian is the one who's not. <laughs> yeah. That's the good Christian. Yeah. Yeah. The good Christian is the one who doesn't believe what the Bible says. Right. That's the good Christian. Okay? So, the one who gets to come to the public square with his or her ideas. Because they will still bat about ideas because there are people who make their living off just, you know, oh, this is this is let me hear more of what this babbler has to say. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't go away. Right. <laughs> so you're still going to have ideas. But when you talk about biblical authority and you talk about what the Bible says about life, about human sexuality about sexual identity, about marriage, about finances, about family, about children. Namely, who has rights over children? Mm -hmm. Is it parents or is it governments? Like, you know, these are the types of things. Anything that's going to be rooted in scripture, there's no place for that in our culturally absolutist society. That's what it is. That's what it is. So the question is, the question is. How do we prepare our kids for this? Yeah. How do we talk to them about this? Well, if you have kids who have been trained to love popularity <laughs> and to need to have a lot of friends. Oh,
2: it's going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah. So you got
1: to start now yanking that stuff <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, you got to start now. Yeah. You got to start now preparing your kid not to just have the unpopular view. Because that kind of makes them feel like in some areas it's going to be popular. Like it's going to, you know, no, Mm -hmm. it's not about having the unpopular view. You got to start training your kids that they have the unaccepted view. Wow. It's unaccepted. It's, it is invalid. It's backwoods, right? It makes no sense to them. And so their hope, their faith, and their confidence must rely and rest on the truth of the word of God. Amen. Amen. What is it that we believe? What what are the implications of the gospel? Why do we believe this Mm -hmm. now? This is going to be jolting to parents, because, listen, if we have gotten comfortable just thinking that everybody kind of already knows the gospel. All right. Then you're not going to really see a reason for us to delve in and get back to the basics of what the gospel is. What does it mean when we talk about the message of Jesus Christ? What are we saying to people? This is all this has always been highly offensive, by the way. The the message that you are a reprehensible person, that you deserve the wrath of God, that you're not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's always been offensive. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, pe- people have already always kind of like, you know, oh, really? But I'm a good person. <laughs> Right. No, so even more so <laughs> when we have um, redefined what good is. Remember, we talked about punishing the wicked. We've we've mm. kind of inverted a a kingdom of sorts. Mm. Right. So what you've got to do now if you, is you've got to teach your kids. And, and um, we were talking about this last Sunday. And, and mm. this is what I think that every parent, every grandparent, every um, youth minister, <laughs> Um, probably at every stage of our lives, Um, what we're going to have to do in America is pick up the gospel and dust it off. Mm -hmm. Because remember, as the Apostle Paul told the the Galatians, there's no new gospel.
2: Right, right.
1: So what we're doing in 21st century America is not inventing a gospel that will withstand 21st century America. That gospel already exists. Right. It's the one gospel that's that's been handed down to us, right? So we don't need this sort of like... um, This, this is the new gospel that has gone through like this metamorphosis where it's like fortified for 21st century America. It already exists, (laughs) you know, arguably it came to this country already in existence, you know? And, and so what we have to do is pick up the gospel. We have to dust it off and we have to teach it to our kids raw as it was taught to us. Mm. Right? No more of this. People are going to like you because you're a good person. Remember good has been redefined. Right. Right. And so you can't have your kids with this um, insatiable desire to be liked, to be accepted. And in addition, in addition to that, I think that what we value as far as what our kids are taught has got to change. What do I mean by that now? And we're going to make the case here. We'll talk about some more information that is coming from the uh, Biden-Harris Administration and why I think these things cannot be overlooked. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to hmm, we're going to have to decide what are the things that have classically been taught to our kids that need to stay. You see, because we are busy as parents and we're doing all of these things, and we are trying to impart all of this information to our children, and a lot of it um, is just carryover. Mm -hmm. At one time, our kids could be well-versed in, say, X. And being well-versed in X meant that they were going to succeed and do better in culture. So we want them well-versed in X. Some of it's just braggadocia, just so we can brag and say our kids speak Latin. You know what I mean? Some of it's not even, I mean, you know.
2: Right, right. You understand
1: what I'm saying, right? Oh, yeah. But more than ever before, we are going to have to thumb through what our kids have classically been taught and we're going to have to decide what are the things that get to stay and what are the things that have to go. All right, we'll talk more about this when we get back. Aaron the Addison, stay right there. back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki.
2: And I'm Will, and that's Toby Mack with I Just Need You.
1: We appreciate Sherry B., who's over in Studio This tweet from Joe Biden. We mentioned it yesterday, uh, January of last year, January 25th, 2020. Let's be clear. Transgender equality is the civil rights issue of our time. There is no room for compromise when it comes to basic human rights. Uh, we alluded to the aims of the Biden-Harris administration, and, um, Actually, we just talked about it outright. We didn't do it. To it. We just said it <laughs> right. on his first day in office. Pretty much. Biden will reinstate the Obama-Biden guidance that was revoked by the Trump-Pence administration, which will restore transgender students' access to sports, bathrooms, and locker rooms <sighs> in accordance with their gender identity. He will direct the Department of Education to vigorously enforce and investigate violations of transgender students' civil rights. Um, But it doesn't stop there. Uh, We learn there's uh, this new information out. And, of course, you know, um, confirmation pending. But President-elect Joe Biden has tapped Pennsylvania Health Secretary, um, a man who uh, calls himself Rachel Levine. Hmm. Um, His actual name is uh, Richard. At least that's his birth name. That's his given name. Yeah. uh, Richard Levine to be his assistant secretary of health, leaving this man who identifies as a woman and I believe has been doing so since about 2011, um, um, leaving this person poised to become the first openly transgender federal official to be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. One of the things that I found <laughs> I, I found interesting in, in kind of looking in this and, and digging, just trying to figure out who this person is, uh, some of the questions, I'll tell you, this is how I approach stories. It's not just... Um, Not just for talking points, but because I really want to know. So I wanted to know more about this individual. So my questions were, okay, so what exactly will this man be doing Mm -hmm. as, um, you know, the Assistant Secretary of Health? Um, What will fall under this person's purview? Um, What do we need to know about him who now identifies himself as a woman? And, um, you know, just to kind of get the ball rolling on, you know, where where we might go right. um, with this person in office. And one of the ways I want to get you thinking about where we're going, where we are, okay? Let's, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is where we are, all right? Yeah. I mean, I you know, I, I got to change my language from a decade ago. This is where we are. This is not where we're going. This is where we are, right? And um, so I was looking at some information and then I came across this clip where this man who, again... Um, calls himself Rachel Levine. Mm -hmm. And as recently as, I want to say, last year, let me make sure. Hold on a second. Let me just check the date on that. But as recently, yeah, as recently as last year, so in May of last year, um, on a conference call, was upset with someone who repeatedly called him sir. (laughs) And to this, he responded, please don't misgender me. It's really insulting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so again, this is what we are, but I came across this clip where um the man who calls himself Rachel Levine, which is a mouthful, but just from my own integrity, it's important to say. Yeah. Right? Um and, and I'm not under any delusion that uh, you know, there may come a time where <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yep. So anyway, but that's not today. So the man who calls himself <laughs> Uh, Rachel, <clears throat> Rachel Levine was in a in a um, in a press conference where he was talking about um, LGBTQ individuals who come under attack and how he had personally been attacked and, and things of that nature. And and then he kind of went to, you know, talking about the apology for people who have issued an apology. And that was what I found found most interesting because i believe it kind of reveals the hand of those who are the absolutist among us Mm -hmm. right and excuse me what will be required of the rest of us and so will the great has pulled a portion of um this man's remarks and let's let's just play it
3: to the perpetuators of these and the perpetrators of these actions if your apologies are sincere then i accept your apologies But an apology is the beginning, not the end, of the conversation. I call on you, I call on you and all Pennsylvanians to work towards a spirit of not just tolerance, but a spirit of acceptance and welcoming towards LGBTQ individuals. We all need to foster that spirit of acceptance and welcoming to LGBTQ individuals and celebrate the wonderful diversity of our commonwealth. Our children are watching. They are watching what we do, and they are watching how we act. And to all LGBTQ young people, it is okay to be you, and it is okay to stand up for your rights and your freedoms.
1: Now, <laughs> that's man. a cry out right there. Um, it's really interesting. we you know, we may, we may play the clip again um, because I want you to pay attention to language matters, right? And and the things that we say. <laughs> this seems like it's a given, but it matters, right? And so, an apology is the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> um, Levine said in man, this clip, which about I should mention,
2: celebrating and the, acceptance, man. Yes, like those and words. You gotta, yeah,
1: welcoming. Now. I should mention, so this was at a Pennsylvania um, um, press conference. He was at once the Pennsylvania um, Pennsylvania health secretary. Mm -hmm. And so the clip that you heard was him speaking in July 2020. Now, you know, anyways, um, here is what I think is very interesting about this. Well, to say nothing of what you just heard. Okay, it should be very alarming uh, whenever you start to grab in the children you know what i mean the children mm. are watching right for the yeah. sake of the next Man. generation i mean come on right but everybody that's the gets key. this that's like everybody gets it
2: yeah
1: it's yeah. the christians who are just sort of like meh I'm. right
2: oh my goodness you know come we on. and it's unfortunate
1: oh. it's so unfortunate Man. everybody understands the treasure trove that we have in our children except us Man. everybody else gets it and they are signing up left and right to take them off your hands oh you know you know okay great because I, I got plans for him, <laughs> right? So you always make the grab for the children. The children are watching. But it's amazing because the, the, the apology is only the beginning of the conversation. So in other words, if you, if you even would dare to say, listen, I'm sorry if that offends you, that, that's, not, that's not enough. Right. That's not enough. He also says we're way past the whole tolerance thing. I don't know if we got that in the clip. I can't remember. But we're past the whole tolerance thing. This is no longer about tolerance. This is about acceptance and welcoming and celebration, right? (laughs) Which is why when the Addisons um, a few years ago began talking about churches um, and even um, in the last couple of years, organizations, suggesting that we need to carve out space and become more welcoming right um the and, flags go oh, up
2: man yes because
1: you're like wait a minute you're you're using Being terminology
2: advocates and, and advocates
1: and allies man. and all of these things and our churches need to be more welcoming we need to carve out carve out spaces for people and so when you hear things like that you know the flags go up for me because I'm like number one you're grabbing terminology from a culture that is in direct opposition to number one, your religious conviction, but in America, your religious freedom. And, and so you're grab, you're going to grab that type of terminology, but here is something else that I think is interesting to note about Mr. Levine, who now identifies as Rachel Levine. Um, He is a professor of pediatrics or Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. professor Mm -hmm. of pediatrics and psychiatry at the Penn State Milton S. Hershey Medical Center. Okay. Um
2: Pediatrics.
1: Okay. Chief of the Division of Adolescent Medicine and mm. Eating Disorders. Wow. Now now what's interesting to me about that is that you have someone who has already demonstrated a kind of um <laughs> mental instability.
2: Sickness, yeah.
1: oh, Okay, what, what, what we once qualified as something that was in the category oh, of, illness. like, say, yeah, mental illness, a disorder, mm-hmm. uh, bulimia, mm. anorexia. Like, we, we once put these kinds of things mm. in that category, and all of a sudden, we no longer do that. Right. And so now we are taking a person who has demonstrated a type of mental confusion, an agony over his body, right? And we are putting him in a position where um, he oversees, all right, oversees regional health organizations, the Office of the Surgeon General, the Office of Disease Prevention and Health Promotion, the Office of Human Research Protections, the Office of Infectious Disease and HIV AIDS Policy, the office of minority health the office of population <laughs> affairs the office of research integrity the office on women's health wow, wow. And, and 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 it would take you like weeks to really delve in to see what each of those individual offices cover right but this is all under the assistant secretary for health right the office of the assistant secretary for health. And so I think about where we are and I think about what we will see as policy. I think about the doctors and the physicians that I know. I think about what they might be forced to agree with, forced to say, forced to ignore. I think about our young people who may now suddenly find um, celebration, For rebellion against their parents I think about our young people and I think about what might be celebrated um, what might be kept secret from parents and and you know quote unquote legally protected right Right? and I look at where we are and I think the sun rises on our choices Mm. so what what must we do in this country what 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 must we do in the body of Christ first and foremost. Well, again, I think we must do those things that we should have always done. That is fortify and equip our kids to live in the midst of people who think they are unfit to live in their midst. Right. It's going to be really difficult because we've been very comfortable in the United States of America as Christians. We've been very comfortable generally people have liked us i was listening to the spot that was playing as we went to the break here and the guy was talking about the wwjd bracelets i don't know if everybody got that same spot but like you know even people who didn't really know much about jesus would wear those bracelets and even ask the question what would jesus do and it's so funny because you're like you know at the time you're like thinking you don't even know (laughs) Like literally, you don't even know what Jesus would do, but you think it's a great question to ask because it holds people to a certain level of accountability. Even the heathen understood that if you ask the Christian what their savior would do, it will cripple them and make them stop for a second. <laughs> but now, no, now, I mean, we don't we don't live in that time. right? So it's going to take a while for us to pull out the unnecessary in our kids. It's going to take a while, but there is no time like the present for us to begin doing that. Right, right? right. now, and I, I alluded to—I said, you know, Latin and, and all that stuff. But you know, actually, that there's importance in that. So, so just go with me and think about those things that you're pouring but into your kid. Those that things can't be, be important. more
2: important than really solidifying them, you know, in the gospel. And exactly un- that they understand. You exactly. Know, yeah. So and that's the reason what you're I say that is because
1: that. people in studying the word of God will use the exactly. original languages and things like yeah. that. So people, yeah. you know, bear with me and understand what right. I'm saying. But it's exactly the point that you're that you're making. Thank you for helping me to underscore that, because the point that I'm making is that all of the things that we once found vitally important in the training and rearing of our kids. Some of it was a little bit self-indulgent. We Mm -hmm. have to have them involved in this, doing this, going here, all of these things. It's just sort of like that's part of our external culture. When I say external culture, I mean the culture outside of the church. Mm. Okay, because there's a difference inside the church. Right. All of these things were just we just kind of grew up in this and it was just sort of the natural thing that we did. What I'm challenging parents and grandparents to think about is what are those things that we must begin kind of shaving off so that we give greater focus to the things that will really help our kids survive. I mean, really help our kids survive. Like, I think sports are great. Right. Like, I think I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I mean, our kids, our son. Mm-hmm. plays basketball. That's that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. But if it comes down to him continuing to be like tuckered out and tired and doing all of these things and me not being able to make sure that I can adequately inculcate a, a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, mm-hmm. um, then if one must go, the game we all play, if one must go, <laughs> what must go? Right. Right. At one time in American culture, there was a type of importance that was ascribed to uh, busyness, right? You're going here, you're doing this and this is going on and your calendar is full and all of these things are going on. And that gave us our importance mm. where we're like, yeah, I'm somebody because I'm with somebody and somebody wants me here and somebody needs me there. And I'm going and I'm blowing. What I'm saying is trim the fat, yeah. trim the fat. It is okay to just be home with your kids reading the Bible and training them to defend what they say they believe. Mm -hmm. That's okay. It's okay for the greatest allegiance and alliance that you have to be with the people of God and not your individual institutions and and collections and things like that. See, all of these things that gave us our worth and our value, I'm a part of this, I do this, and all of those things are gonna fall into the background as the heat continues to be turned up Under the feet of Christians. What is going to matter, what is going to matter is who believes the word of God to be finally authoritative. Mm. That's gonna gonna be where you're gonna find the greatest allegiance, the best of friendships. Because remember, it's not good for you, but not for me. It's like not good for me and not good for thee. In fact, you should die. (laughs) You need to be canceled. But even in this, the Lord has not left us to ourselves.
2: Amen.
1: Praise God for his Holy Spirit. We are well e- equipped to stand. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. You've been my Savior your
3: To the perpetuators of these and the perpetrators of these actions, if your apologies are sincere, then I accept your apologies. But an apology is the beginning, not the end, of the conversation. I call on you, I call on you and all Pennsylvanians to work towards a spirit of not just tolerance, but a spirit of acceptance and welcoming towards LGBTQ individuals. We all need to foster that spirit of acceptance and welcoming to LGBTQ, LGBTQ individuals and celebrate the wonderful diversity of our commonwealth. Our children are watching. They are watching what we do, and they are watching how we act. And to all LGBTQ young people, it is okay to be you and it is okay to stand up for your rights and your freedoms.
1: So so what, what if we said that to Christian kids? It's okay to be you. <laughs> no, it's okay no, to stand up I for your apply. rights Mm-mm. and your freedoms.
2: Right? So we
1: don't think about that. Because we, we're always like, no, but just be nice. Be nice. You, you have to understand that with all the terminology that we hear, by the way, that was uh, the voice of a man who calls himself R- uh, Rachel Levine, who is tapped as uh, Joe Biden's assistant secretary of health. All right. This man could become the first openly transgender federal official uh, to be confirmed by the U S Senate. So that's uh, pending confirmation. I think it's interesting though, because uh, this man formerly served as uh, Pennsylvania's physician general and um, was uh, confirmed by a Republican majority Pennsylvania Senate. <laughs> <laughs> you see why I tell you it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. you see? I'm not. Try- I'm just. I'm no, just saying. Right. You know. I just. You, you see right. why it doesn't. You know. Right. <laughs> Formerly the Pennsylvania health secretary was confirmed by the Republican majority Pennsylvania Senate.
2: Well, look at that. The moral decline. Reduce, continues. You see. Don't even. Don't talk to me. You know. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Man. Don't
1: talk to me. Anyways. Um, but but here's the thing. You know, when you hear that clip. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, you know, anyway, that was July of last year. Uh, an apology is the beginning, not the end. Right. This is not just about tolerance. This is about acceptance and uh, welcoming and celebration and all of these things. And so this is this is an opportunity where we have to then ask ourselves and we have to ask our kids, um, what can't we accept? What can't we welcome? What can't we celebrate right? And so this is where I would say, according to the scriptures, it's unloving to celebrate a lie. Hmm. It's unloving to celebrate a lie come first on. corinthians thirteen six love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, rather it rejoices with the truth <laughs> Love rejoices with the truth
2: right come on
1: now you think about that. So we're supposed to celebrate, welcome, and accept a lie, people's personal identities. (laughs) We're supposed to rejoice in that. Well, the Bible tells us that we cannot, and we and our children must understand that. We cannot celebrate darkness and destruction. Mm -hmm. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 17. The scriptures teach us very clearly that we cannot rejoice in evil. That we can't have anything to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather we should expose them. Yeah. And everybody cringes at a conversation like this because we are not used to telling the truth without mincing words while everybody else in the world is. They they are. And let and, I mean, let me say it this way. Not telling <laughs> the truth, telling their truth. Yeah. Right.
2: What they believe. What but they I'll, believe. They can hold say back. it
1: without holding back. Yeah. But for the Christian, we have been taught. That it's just the gospel. Hmm. It's just, it's just, you know, and listen, so you need to, you need to consider people's feelings when you tell them the truth. And you know, you do, because the Bible says that we speak the truth in love. Right. But when did we make love and truth opponents? Hmm. When did we make them, we put them in a ring and say, slug it out. And then whoever comes out of the ring, that's what you get. Hmm. No, it's because we love people. Because we have a fearful understanding if we really believe the gospel and if if we really are converted ourselves. We have a dreadful, fearful, reverent understanding of what awaits those who reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a Christian. You know, if if we have thought that being a Christian just meant just being, you know, kind of a good person and just a whole list of things you don't do because you're better than those people. Boy, have we gotten it wrong. Right. Because when we say that we are a Christian, we are making some bold claims, not only about Christ and about humanity, but we're making bold claims about ourselves. Do you recognize that? When you say that you are a Christian, now think about this, because it's so easy for us to look at people and be like, mm, I can't believe they live like that. But think about what you're saying. When you say you're a Christian, you are saying you, insert your name here, I am reprehensible. I'm repugnant. I deserve the wrath of God. Mm -hmm. Sin is in my DNA. I'm rebellious against God. I deserve judgment. This is true for all of humanity. That's what Christians are saying, by the way. But the difference, the distinction, is that Christians are saying, Though I deserve death, that is my penalty. There is one who stepped in and received that penalty in my place. Amen. His name is Jesus. Oh, how I love him. Hmm. That's what we're saying. So this whole, like, I'm a good person, I'm a Christian, and, you know, we're constantly, you know, polishing our pins and buttons and all of this thing, and you know, and updating our rows because it dies and all that, like, forget about it. We're saying, no, man, we, you know, we deserve judgment. That's what we're saying. We're saying that we're all flawed. We're saying that we're all prone to disappoint God. Yeah. What did the apostle John say? If anyone says that he's, he's not a sinner, he's a liar, right? We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what we're saying. And that is the type of conversation that has to go into the public square with you. That's the conversation. Jesus died for me. I'm not only telling you that he died for you. <laughs> come on, man. I'm the recipient of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the mercy of God that he would even send his son. I am the recipient. I am telling you, yes, Jesus Christ died for you, but he died for me. And so I'm making some bold claims. I'm, I'm, in fact, it's my public confession of who I am. Not only of what Jesus Christ did, that I believe what he did, I believe in the efficacy of what Jesus did, but I'm also saying that I needed what Jesus did. That's right. Come on. So we can't compromise on our very testimonies. Let's try to squeeze in a couple of calls here 888 589 8840. 888 589 8840. The argument that exists now is not whether or not what your kid or grandkid or even yourself, it's not whether what you believe is a type of truth that gets to battle it out in the public square of opinion. It's, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Rather, what we're talking about now is according to these cultural absolutists, mm-hmm. there's already an agreed upon opinion or position That if you don't hold it, you're not welcome here. You don't, you don't get to speak. You don't, you don't get to exchange with us. You don't get to teach in our schools. We'll take your kids, but you don't get to teach them. You don't get to work at our corporations.
2: And you're 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 talking about a lot of work and prayer and effort that's going to have to be done on the part of parents. You know, because there has to be a turning, like, again, it's like stopping the train, you know, yeah. especially if you have already kind of uh, turned the child into that direction. Like to yeah. love, if we love the world, if we like want to be accepted and, and all, all of that and, and God is convicted and it's like, man, it's going to take some work to pull that back. It's going to take the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, to be Amen. able to to do that. But it's it's possible. And we, like you said, we have to start. Now, we have to start now.
1: Look, we are a part of a long line of believers for whom the body was enough. The body. It was enough to be in the body of Christ and to have that community, that fellowship of the believer. It was enough. Yeah. And somehow we lost that. We got to regain that. We got to get that back. Let's try to squeeze in some calls before we wrap up today. Will the Great, where do we go first?
2: All right, let's go to John in Texas. Hi, John.
0: Hi, you guys. Great to hear your message today. I wanted to, I guess, say, you know, I have had a great opportunity in my life. I've been involved with sports most of my life. And actually working with children for possibly 20 years, And one of the things that I found is that self-confidence. You know, a lot of people want to be accepted, like you had mentioned. And through activity, I think people gain confidence, whether they're good or bad, you know, win or lose. doesn't really matter, I say, if you played the game. So looking at that aspect and talking about the Lord, you know, if you bring your child up in the Word, He will continue in the Word. And I think... That acceptance, when you know truth, and, you know, when it positive, if you know you can do 100 push-ups, it says, oh, you can't, oh, you can't, you're going to go to a contest, so you can do it. And you've done it every day. You know you can do it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. You mm-hmm. have that confidence. Mm-hmm. And I find the same with the Lord. If people are raised in the truth and they know the Lord, then they're not confused in the world when people say whatever they may say to them. You know, the author of confusion is the fallen one.
2: Yeah, mm, yeah,
1: that's so good. That's well said, John. I think, again, there's a little word that you use. It has huge implications. The word is if if <laughs> our children yeah. are trained in the truth. And and I think what we've got to scope out is whether or not our kids have been trained in the truth. Yeah. Have they truly yeah. been equipped? You know, we, be intentional about what you're doing. We had our kids um, maybe a few months ago. We had our kids listen to a professing Christian in an interview, uh, a secular interview, be asked questions about human sexuality. And we wanted to see what they would observe. So we had them watch this video. And then when the video was over, we asked them to make some observations just to see what they caught and what they understood. And believe it or not, man, our kids can catch when a person is sort of trying to soften the -hmm. truth. That's right. I, and when I say our kids, I mean Christian kids, kids right. who have been trained in the truth. They can spot a soft, That's quaint, right. comfortable lie. Yeah, We've got to do this increasingly with our kids. Train them in the truth that they might spot the lie. Will the Great, where do we go next?
2: All right, let's go to Ronnie in Pennsylvania. Hi, Ronnie. Hi.
4: First of all, I'd really like to compliment you guys. I've been a huge fan, and, and today I've even become a bigger fan. But being from the state of Pennsylvania— I'd like to say i I have some experience in the healthcare industry, and I don't know Dr. Levine personally, but my perspective on this is I don't think he would be at the point in his career where he is now if he hadn't made this transgender change
1: mm.
4: um it has immensely increased and advanced his uh career mm. and look where he's going to be now
1: Wow, yeah. wow. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, it's, wow. it's, it's, thank you so much for your call, Ron. I thank appreciate you, it. It's Ron. one of those things where because our, um, our country has had this sort of multicultural approach to things where we've got to always look at where is the person that has been sort of like put out on the fringe and we need to bring them in, you know, we need to. And so now yeah. you can um, cause someone to ascend <laughs> to a position that they have only because of something that is external, not necessarily based on their ability to carry out the job. Um, that is something definitely worth thinking about. Thank you so much for that call, Ronnie. Uh, Will the Great, let's try to squeeze in one more call.
2: All right, let's go to Jerry, Tennessee. Hi, Jerry.
4: <laughs> hey, Will and Mikey, how are you guys?
2: Doing good. Hey,
1: Jerry.
4: Good. Hey, uh, we are having some C, uh, critical race theory problems at our classical Christian school, which has been really upsetting, mm-hmm. mm. uh, surprising and upsetting. And it's made about worse by this thing that I've noticed about my daughter. She is a people pleaser, like me mm. and my wife. Mm-hmm. And I'm concerned when she gets out that she people are going to be able to manipulate her with that. So oh. I just wanted to, sh- yeah, I wanted to share a couple of things that have really come to mind for me on what I need to do to help her. One of those is to start teaching her about critical race theory myself. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about it um, kind of incidentally a lot, but I mean, like more formally, we'll probably start by watching that conference you guys did. Um, At our church last year and talking through some of that So that was one thing I was going to do to help her the other thing I watched a movie this weekend that really hit home for me. It was called a hidden life And Mm. it was about an Austrian farmer who was being forced to be a soldier for Hitler and he refused at great great personal cost for him and his wife and it would switch between his life in prison and her life on a farm where she was having to raise the girls. Milk Jerry, the we got
1: about 30 seconds.
4: Yeah, I just wanted to say we need to make uh, we need to show our kids heroes who have stood up against great pressure. That Amen. was my point with that. Mm, that's Thank an you, excellent
1: Jerry. point. It's an excellent point, Jerry. And it's a great way for us to land the show today. Thank you so much for listening. Until tomorrow, Lord willing.
2: God bless.